My name is Era, and I'm the host of the Tamil Creator Podcast. I chat with creators from all over the world to share their stories and discuss hot topics in a way that I hope inspires, educates, and entertains you. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Tamil Creator. I'm your host, Era, uh, and today we have an awesome guest on the podcast. His name is Suresh. Yes, when he says full last name, so here it goes. Sri Skandaraja, hopefully you got that, Suresh. And Suresh is a lawyer at, you know, he has his own law firm called Suresh Law Professional Corporation. He's got a background in pretty much every degree, but, you know, we'll just keep it in engineering and entrepreneurship. Um, and, you know, over the course of his professional career, he's held a number of executive roles at organizations, um, including uh, Amazon, Microsoft, BlackBerry. He's launched a bunch of ventures and he's mentoring a bunch of startups as well. Um, you know, he shows off by speaking English, French and Tamil. And you know what I mean? Like in terms of this guy has a law degree, he has an MBA, he's got an engineering degree and also a BA as well. So. I'm sure there's more initials there somewhere that I can't find, but, uh, you know, we'll kind of get more into all that Suresh does and how he finds time in 24 hours to, on top of that, be a family man and, you know, be a human being on top of that. So I hope I did him justice with this intro, but Suresh, why don't you, uh, you know, tell people a little bit about yourself and your upbringing and we'll kind of go from there. Well, thank you, Ara, for having me on this show and I really appreciate it and thanks for that uh, intro i think that's better than i could do and uh, people are probably going to think that i have multiple lives but uh, you know i actually try to keep things very simple and go with the flow uh, but yeah thanks again for having me on yeah no problem why don't you tell you know everyone a bit about kind of your family and kind of just your upbringing uh, you know just to kind of before you kind of get more into uh, the focus on your career and you know all the things you've kind of accomplished yeah um, yeah i was born in sri lanka um uh you know right in the middle of the civil war times and uh, uh well and uh, i was born in jaffna in the northern part of jaffna called balbeditrai bbt and i came to canada when i was 8 years old uh to montreal and grew up in montreal afterwards uh studied in french and then moved to toronto at the age of 13 uh, with the goal of eventually going to waterloo engineering uh because at that point i was in a canadian we were in a canadian citizen so being in montreal you had to pay to be to go to an english speaking school so i thought that would increase my chance and instead of paying for school there i might as well move to toronto so i moved alone at the age of 13 and lived with family family friends and uh, that 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 that's pretty much my childhood in a nutshell oh wow i didn't know about that part where you so in quebec you have to pay to go to an english speaking school so if you are not a citizen so at that point we were not canadian citizens so things may have changed now but back then you would have to pay if you if you're going to an english speaking school uh, if you're not a citizen so instead of that i thought i would just move to toronto and explore and increase you know my chance of getting into waterloo engineering but, i feel uh, like i was going to yeah. say i feel like that kind of choice where you move alone at that young age really forces you to kind of grow up faster than i would say because I know other folks that have kind of made moves like that or like been forced to make moves like that and you know they're like quite mature for their age like even at a younger age because of something like that is that something that you found as well yeah i speak to my wife often about that when i reflect back i say you know what in hindsight i don't know whether it was a good thing or a bad thing but i missed a lot of my childhood by kind of you know moving alone like that and uh, and having to i didn't have to you know my 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 family would have 
continued to support me, but I didn't want to rely on them given th that they had very little resources. So I started working, you know, I started working at the age of 11 to support my mother and, you know, picking strawberries and things like that. But when I came to Toronto, I started delivering newspaper and one year after at 14, I was doing dishwashing. So I would hold multiple odd jobs to pay for myself, my expenses and so on, right? So uh, in that process, like going to school and working keeps you busy, keeps you out of trouble, but at the same time, you miss, you know, part of your childhood by starting to work a little too early and maturing a little too early, right? Yeah, I feel like every life experience, there's some kind of pro and con, if you want to look at it that way in the sense that, you know, um, do you feel like because you were forced to grow up in the sense that, you know, like you said, you took on these jobs to kind of support yourself, even though you didn't have to, but you didn't want to, I guess, put, make yourself almost like a burden to your family. So you want to, you know, um, make yourself independent. Do you think that kind of forced upon you at a young age this work ethic, or did you have that internally already before that? No, I, I think that sense of responsibility and my work ethic uh, came from a much younger age, from uh, from my days in Sri Lanka. And, uh, you know, I gained, learned those values from my family, from my immediate family members. Uh, so, you know, I was a, yeah, I was a good student. And, you know, overall, I behaved as a child. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, so but, but I think, you know, coming to Toronto and living alone, uh, you know, made me go on that path further to try to be independent and have developed good work ethics, right? But also develop different skills because I was focused and driven on my goals of what I wanted to achieve. So I was always very driven from a young age. So since I had that goal of going to Waterloo, I was ready to do whatever it takes. So I kept working hard at it. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't not believe that at all because like I, I see you or at least kind of what I know of you more recently and just kind of all you're doing and I just picture a mini version of you at that age because with the same work ethic you probably had google calendar back when you were 12 years old too I don't know but like I feel yeah. like <laughs> I feel like you had I just feel like it just makes sense who you are today based on just hearing that story uh, about kind of what you did when you were younger. Yeah. So. Actually this is interesting you may have noticed a video that I a work that, you know that I published uh, you know of me like running clips and so on and you know and uh, there's one of the, one of the reasons I launched that video is uh, it, it actually relates to me because uh, at a young age in Montreal I was part of the, the track and field team and I made it all the way to the Canadian uh, National Junior Olympics and for 3,000 meters I was a finalist so I think like that running long distance, that, that endurance training also gave me that discipline to, to work hard and to stay driven. Uh, and then I kind of carried that over when I came to Toronto in terms of my wor work, uh, work and studies as well. But, uh, uh, you know, you, you get, you get discipline, self-discipline through doing sports as well, right? And for me, it's very true from that track and field days. That's a good point. Um, you know, you kind of talked about, you know, growing up in Sri Lanka, coming to Toronto, I mean, it's a common story for a lot of diverse, you know, diaspora Tamils that, you know, went to Canada, the UK, Australia, various kind of countries. Um, you know, there's a ton of stories around like, you know, coming to a new country, you know, our parents not knowing the language, us kind of having to grow up a little bit faster because we're, you know, the oldest or like the first generation and kind of seeing our parents struggle. Um, you know, why, do, and then, you know, 
often not being able to kind of get the jobs that they used to have in Sri Lanka. Like, you know, you often have like people that were doctors, teachers, et cetera, you know, now doing more blue collar or, you know, uh, jobs that, you know, typically are looked down upon in, you know, the Tamil community. But, you know, out of that also comes like stories where people either just do those jobs or also make opportunities for themselves and turn themselves into entrepreneurs. Uh, and I've seen a lot of stories in the Tamil community kind of shaped with this kind of narrative. Do you think being an you know immigrant and also like someone that had to escape war and you know uh, and go through those kind of hardships uh, is kind of one of the reasons why so many Tamils, especially in the diaspora communities, become entrepreneurs? I'm just yeah curious about that. Yeah, I think I think so for sure because uh, given you know when you're escaping traumatic uh, uh, situations like that, it causes you to be creative and and look after yourself like a survival and you want to do well and you find creative ways to you know to to be alive and also to to make a living and to protect your family so that kind of that drive kind of translates into entrepreneurial pursuits afterwards and i see that and that's why a lot of the immigrant community they're successful because they're driven they're motivated they they want to make up for things that they have lost or they you know they, they appreciate everything they have in life a lot more because uh, you know how little they had or how tough they had it now now when they're given an opportunity they they go they go full speed with it right because they they know what that opportunity means right compared to somebody who may have it from the beginning and may take things for granted right so people who go through traumatic things like that who immigrate they they don't take things granted in my observation so that's one of the reasons i observe that people do well yeah, before we kind of get into obviously your law firm that you recently launched, I want to first ask you, why the heck did you do four degrees, man? Why not just one or two like us normal people? Like, why did you have to do four? <laughs> well, uh, you know, uh, in life, you know, life takes in different different paths and you make different decisions, right? I never thought I would do anything beyond engineering from my childhood onwards. I, I, I initially wanted to be a mechanical engineer because I had an uncle who was a mechanical engineer from, I think, the age of or something then when I discovered computers in grade nine I wanted to go into computer and electrical engineering and that's all I was going to do and all these you know MBA and arts and law just happened and then like you kind of did all these degrees and then you know I know you also like you worked at a bunch of companies um, when you started your law like firm why didn't you first work for somebody else before launching your own law firm um, out of curiosity what was the thought process behind that it's usually a good idea to work for somebody uh, so that, you know, in, in, so you get the experience, you develop your skills, and you have people to mentor you and train you, right, uh, to get that formal training. Uh, but things are changing now, right? There's, uh, I, I got my license right in the middle of COVID. Uh, so all the law firms are in a different situation. Uh, and uh, also for me personally, in terms of where I am in my career, uh, I think if I was, you know, coming fresh out of school and I didn't have any other uh, other experiences, uh, that path may have been better. But I spoke, you know, I quickly got advice from different mentors, and they say, you know, given the unique experience you have, you're not, you're not, you're not just starting off. You have this unique business and technology experience from the education, but also from the different executive positions you held that most of the law uh, students who are graduating will not have. So it doesn't make sense for you to you know, go work at a firm. You have enough to offer right from the get-go. 
and rather than and, and then given my where I am in my life in terms of my age and also my family responsibilities and my what niche area I want to kind of focus on right uh, so the advice I got was you know get started on your own you already have like I, in my case I already have you know wide network professional network that I can tap into to serve so that's not an issue as well so the only thing is learning and even if you work at a law firm you're still doing most of the work on your own and you rely on colleagues for uh, when you have questions so uh, uh, you know I'm grateful that a lot of my mentors they told me we're available to you we're accessible to you whenever you need it but go get started on your own and uh, and as you grow initially get started leverage your network leverage your expertise uh, leverage your skills uh, and then maybe down the line as you build up your practice you could always consider merging with other other firms later if 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 that's something you want to do but get started on your own and see what you can do and uh, so i just went right into it so i think i got my two weeks uh, within two weeks of getting my license i did all this consulting to uh, get advice from at least a dozen lawyers in the field and who are you know partners at firms to professors and different people right and then two weeks later i just didn't want to think further i just uh, got incorporated and got started so if i kind of you know it wasn't the plan right from the beginning if it was the plan right from the beginning i would have taken more time to plan out all the details of how i would get started but because it was like you know i, I just dived right into it i had to figure out what practice areas or uh, how will i set up my accounting or how will i set up my crm all these things i had to figure out right so and then in terms of you know like obviously you said you want to focus on a specific niche because you know there's a lot of legal firms out there and like so how did you want to position your own company like what makes you stand out if somebody says you know they want to come to you know your law firm like what are you going to be known for this episode is sponsored by nobody that's right nobody so if you could be kind enough to hit that subscribe button that would mean a lot to me my technology background my passion for technology and uh, and business and my ability to leverage my past experience from doing my own ventures and holding executive positions so i could understand what problems they're facing or what needs they have in order to provide the services that they need right so that's unique it's not too often that you would find someone with that unique background right so i think trying to you know i was looking for a way to find what my passion is and how i can leverage all the skills i have to to serve the customers needs right so i think there's a and, and then if you look at the trend now there's a lot of technology companies and a lot of technology startups and startups is my passion so uh, you can and more and more they they need legal services from contracts licensing and things like that so i'm already involved in a lot of the technology startups and you know companies that have uh, that are medium sized as well who who kind of take me on as like an in-house counsel on call right so you 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 help them with any legal needs they have especially contracts and licensing and so on so it's good so you're able to be part of their growth by advising on the legal aspect and also with with the appreciation of what business and technology problems they're trying to solve as well okay and like you know beyond kind of having your own firm like obviously you have a couple of like full-time roles like you're also the chief operating officer at CSI executive director at like Mosaic Labs like there's only in, on top of that like i said you have kids you have a family so there's 24 hours in a day how does mr suresh sri how do you, how do you uh how do you get everything done in a day like how do you um not burn yourself out 
Uh, well, to be honest, uh, you know, at that moment right now, I, I, I am a bit uh, overwhelmed because I do have lots of things going on. But primarily because of my law practice is still at the early stages. So I'm still establishing processes, establishing ways to communicate. Uh, you know, how do you set the boundaries? How do you set the expectations for clients and things like that, right? So it's going to take a little, little bit of time. I, I expect this year to be chaotic, continuing to be chaotic, but I'll but I, I am juggling different roles, as you mentioned, but there is a team. I'm not just doing things randomly. There is a team. The overarching team is the technology and business, right? So if you look at what I'm doing at CSI, it is looking at, it is an executive position that I'm holding for two years now. It's looking at how do you take a company that, that's been around for 30 years in supply chain logistics and technology and has 150 staff working and how do you transform what they're doing? How do you, you know, diversify and go into new new areas? And what what what's next for this company? And that so that kind of big, uh, you know, transformation uh, that the company needs is what I'm working on. So it's not that I'm too heavily involved in the day-to-day detailed operation, but it's more on the business transformation. So that's interesting, and it fits my profile. And if you look at what I've done in the past, also it's similar things where. I worked on MNA. You know, I was a CEO for a media company. I, I was part of, you know, selling that company. So, and then Mosaic Lab again is the entrepreneurship technology entrepreneurs in Scarborough, uh, who are mostly from immigrant communities and needing the support. So I'm involved in that. And uh, recently, I was also appointed as a lead partner for Spark Center. So that's in the east, and based out of Oshawa. Same thing. So Spark Center has Synergy Lab and Spark Center where Synergy Lab works with entrepreneurs around the world who are trying to come to Canada through the business immigration route. And I work on the corporate law stuff to help them set up the business and whatnot here. Uh, then with the local partners, the, with the local startups that they have, they have about 150 startups in the East. And I work as a corporate lawyer for them in terms of providing advice and helping with any needs that they have. So all of this is, you know, in a short period of time, I've been able to get a lot of client base, uh, but it, it, it is still, it, it does still take time to get organized and put processes in place. But uh, you could kind of see the team that everything is technology and business at the core, right? And mostly you're on startup culture, right? How do you take the companies from the first stage to grow it further? So do you see yourself, you know, like you said, you're kind of I'm probably feeling a bit overwhelmed with kind of all that you have on your plate now. But do you see yourself continuing to kind of work at this frenetic pace for the foreseeable future? Or do you have some kind of, you know, plan to kind of um, wither down kind of your areas of focus that you want to kind of really hone in on in the next, you know, three to five years? Yeah, no, I think I, <clears throat> I, think I would have to pick a few areas and, uh, uh, and kind of focus on that, like sub areas, right? Like it already is business and technology, but, you know, whether I want to focus on the patent and trademark side, uh, which is the intellectual property, or do I want to go into like technology licensing part only, or do I want to focus on the M&A? So how do you take a startup and try to get, get see them through an exit, right? So which aspect of it do I want to focus more on and maybe have a secondary area? But right now it is still a little bit broad, uh, but at least I'm not like doing everything right like and that that was at the initial stage another difficulty where people would come and think that i would be doing you know every area of law whether it's family criminal personal injury and i had to explain that no i'm trying to focus on business and technology 
and you know you try a couple of other supplementary areas because entrepreneurs would need to like protect their personal assets as well so i do the wills for them and if they into investing then i do the real estate as well so these are it's good at this stage to dabble a little bit here and there in supplementary areas but in the next 3 to 4 years i would need to focus uh, as you also get stronger in, in you know once you become specialized in a couple of core areas you focus on that right one and it'll i think it'll kind of come naturally given you know you'll see where the clients are mostly coming to you for and you focus on those areas right <clears throat> and yeah you've also you know you've had an interesting background like you said and one of the interesting things is like you know now there's more and more tamil uh, folks running startups and growing them bigger and like there's more and more success stories but you worked at a kind of you know I want to call it the OG you know tech companies that were very successful and started by tamil folks so labara being one and csi being the other um which yeah. csi you're currently at so um how did that kind of shape your decision making and kind of you know to be around folks like that that were that looked like you like you weren't working at a company that had you know like somebody like a, a caucasian person leading you worked at companies where the leader or the founder was somebody that looked like you like how did that shape or you know impact you in terms of like your trajectory as well no it's uh, because i had the other like you know i worked at microsoft amazon and i met the ceos and so on so i had the opportunity to work uh, you know at, at, at you know in the us for the large multinational corporations and then also to come into uh, companies that are run by you know by by members of the tamil community at a, in a very successful way it it was a you know it was a good feeling to see that uh, you know what contribution they're making not just to the community but <clears throat> on a global scale and to be able to see uh, what impact i can make by joining forces and also uh, leveraging my previous experiences right and uh, uh, and seeing you know kind of seeing what vision they have and how i can add value right but um, it, it's also you know it's it's also a good thing to see like the opportunity right where where people like that are give gave me the opportunity to to excel and to contribute in in a meaningful way right uh, when i was at lebara was uh, as you know uh, advising the ceo so on identifying technology startups that that you know to invest in but also to help them build that as well to grow uh, so th- these were these were good experiences for sure So you talked about like you know doing M&A and like we want to focus so much on it but obviously it's like a very interesting topic being able to you know um decide which you know assessing which companies to purchase has there you know maybe without giving away details you're not allowed to give away but you know has there been a particular acquisition that you've been part of that's like you really got your juices going or like was a you know some a deal that you're proud kind of getting done whether it was like the deal structure or just kind of the size of deal um yeah maybe you can kind of share what your most interesting acquisition opportunity um was yeah we talked as you mentioned we talked going into details you know the whether it's uh, it's a, it, 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 it's a good feeling when you kind of uh, did the analysis and you recommended to invest in a particular startup at an early stage uh, and then you see that company do well and then even though you're not personally making uh, you know seeing the rewards but you, you get the satisfaction so i seen a couple of couple of occasions when the when my gut feeling was right at the end of the day but in terms of leading mna 
um, you know, there was an online media company that I was talking about where I, I worked on transforming for a year and then identifying what would be the strategic fit for that company because, you know, um, it's not always about the financials, but it's also about the strategic fit to see who would this company be valuable for and then finding that and negotiating. Uh, and then in that case, there was two interested parties, uh, you know, in the telecom field who were interested and then, you know, you kind of have negotiations going on with two, two parties at the same time and see who would be the best fit at the end of the day, right? So when the deal finishes, you, you feel like it's, you achieve something great. And that's why, like, even now, continuing on the law side, uh, that's something I'm interested in where, you know, before that was with my technology and business background that I was putting together deals and being part of many activities. Now, from with the legal angle it takes things to the next level right because you that's at a core like law, law is at the core of mna right so uh, i feel that i'll be able to add even more value but it comes with time too right uh, you need to be able to build the uh, build your knowledge and build also the network to be able to uh, to be able to do more mna work you talked about you know you it's a great feeling when you've kind of do the assessment or analysis and like you see something there that nobody else does and then you know the deal does well and like you do you do well by that company getting acquired but you never got to financially directly benefit are you looking in the future because you've already had these skill sets and these experiences to kind of naturally as you kind of build all these different entrepreneurial ventures or arms and like you, you already have a pretty good network do you see yourself eventually you know, uh, being a you know venture capitalist or like an angel or something where like you now get to actually you know reward yourself financially for those intuitive bets that you made for other people. No, uh, definitely that's uh, that's in my plans because uh, uh, yeah, like uh, people who work with me or who I work for, they know that my gut feeling has been good in most cases. But you know, it's, it's not just luck with the intuition, but it comes from doing your due diligence as well, right? Uh, and identifying the opportunities. So definitely in the hopefully not too far future, uh, that, that's something that I'm interested in where investing in other companies. And, and even already through my law practice, that's the kind of the opportunities that I'm looking for already too. Like uh, there are uh, situations where I can be part of startups and offering my skills or investing a little bit and there's different, different models that I'm exploring already. Uh, you know, without going into too much details, where I'm, you know, being part of different startups. Interesting. Uh, okay. But you know, I don't, I don't get started. You know, you start by providing the services, and if there's a fit and interest, then you have the further discussions to see how you can be more involved with the team. And you know, I know you're like an ideas guy, you're a serial entrepreneur. So like, you know, I guess it's for the users, but also maybe for me, is like, what's a great business idea that you see? that you currently, you know, can't work on because of capacity, like, you know, you're doing a bunch of things, you don't have time, attention, et cetera. What's an idea that, you know, that you would put out there that's like, hey, this is a great idea, somebody go work on it. So, you know, not a particular specific idea, but the, the, the sector that I'm interested in that I've been looking at a lot is actually the legal tech, right? So I'm using my law practice as a pilot project to kind of go through and, and, and see where are the pain points and how technology can be leveraged to provide solutions for the legal industry. So whether that means to the lawyers or directly to the consumers, because I feel like, you know, when the pandemic has only accelerated that, the need for that where technology would be, you know, uh, 
uh, empowering the legal industry and uh, whether it's on the CRM side or on the communication piece or practice management or just for the consumers to be able to do, you know, self-serve a lot of the legal needs that they may have. So regulation plays a part of this, but uh, but the technology can also enable once regulation allows for some of the, some of the aspects. Interesting, yeah. Actually, it's funny, you might know her as well, Dino you know Janushka with the Leary. Yes, I spoke to yeah, her yeah. recently as well, yeah. Yeah, I think so she that's the, Yeah, so yeah. I, because I, I, like, for me, I don't really think of legal and tech kind of in terms of like a technology play on it, but she built out her and her business partner built something around that, which I find interesting because those are the kind of spaces I feel like if you solve that problem, just because you're not using technology is a big financial yeah. reward potentially there as well. So. Yeah, and I, I have done this actually a decade ago before I started the law school, uh, I built uh, something called Legal360, which is a CRM for the legal industry. Interesting. Uh, so, so I've already kind of dabbled with this now. I'm trying to see what are the other opportunities there. And, uh, you know, right now the thinking is around, you know, communication and how do you, like the whole practice management, but focusing on the client, where things are in the pipeline, checklist, uh, because oftentimes, you know, just in my own practice, I'm having to spend a lot of time communicating back and forth with the clients and clients don't know where things are moving uh, on their files, right? So just to provide more more information and to have a platform, a portal for them to lo log in and track the work and have the communication piece would be something to get started. But there's a lot more that can be done, I'm sure. So you said you built the Legal360. It seems like a good idea. I mean, especially 10 years ago before, you know, like this tech boom that's happening. Uh, what happened to that business or what happened to that product that you built? Did you know that every time you left a five out of five review for this podcast, a Tamil parent lets their child pursue a career in the creative arts? Okay, that's probably not true. But if there's a chance that it is, do you really want to jinx it? Leave a review. Do it for the young creative in you. The, I mean, timing has to be right too, because uh, you, you can build a product, but you got to be able to sell it. That's more important, right? So you have to be ha able to get law firms to get on board and using, and that takes time to have sales uh, channels to get users to adopt, right? Mm, so, yeah, so, but there is some work that I'm doing to kind of revive that right now as well, to at least use it for my own needs uh, and then see what else can be done. So, cool. I mean, yeah, so the same 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 tools I'm trying to revive right now, and use it. And you know, like as you know, I mentioned earlier, like you're also a father as well. And you know, I want to touch on this just because you have like a bunch of degrees. Um, do you see your Do you see education like and degrees having the same kind of value that they used to have? Like, say, by the time your kids go to university, do you see education still being the same or? at least kind of these typical traditional degrees having the same value or what's kind of the the messaging or direction you're kind of guiding your children to think about like education moving forward? I, I think education will still be important and relevant because it gives you that framework and, and the ability to teaches you how to learn or how to deal with problems and, and, and so on, right? Teaches you how to learn things. That's what it is, right? Uh, but the format of a of the degrees or the program could 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 be different, you know, by the time my kids grow up, right? I'm not sure whether they'll be, you know, structured four-year degrees and then another three years for law school and, you know, spending eight, nine years to get a degree before you get started. Things may change where it's more 
focused on skill building and shorter programs and, and you combine with work, uh, you know what I mean? So the formats can be different. The duration could be shorter. Uh, it could be, you know, kind of self-taught and, you know, less in a structured way uh, as well. But the learning will still be important. Like the basic education has to be provided, right? Uh, uh, but, but in terms of for my own kids, I don't, uh, you know, try to... I don't try to tell them to go one way or another, but they are very young. They're two and four, so a long way to go. But I just try to teach them the right habits, so the right foundation with the right work ethics, right? The, uh, like skill building and character building is all I'm trying to focus on, like family values and so on, and then let them choose their own path later. Uh, because I don't, I, I don't think um, things will be the same when they grow up. So why should I try to direct them in one way or another. All I can do is provide what they need and then give them the, uh, the space to flourish. I like that. My, my kids are not one yet, but I'm trying to get them to contribute to the household, but uh, they're not agreeing to do that. <laughs> That's okay. Um, so what do you like to do for fun, you know, outside of work? Like, you know, you obviously like work is important part. Like, you know, it's also, you know, for people like me and you, it's kind of also enjoyable. It's not like something we don't enjoy, but what do you like to do outside of quote-unquote work for fun? Uh, yep, uh, yep. Uh, well, I don't I don't have a TV. I don't watch TV, and um, I'm not doing too much reading nowadays either. So for me, pretty much outside of work, it's family, right? Uh, two young kids, they take up every minute that I got when I'm home, right? So, uh, so but, you know, I make it a habit. Uh, we do live in a condo as well, so make it a habit to take them out even today you know you just take them out re regularly to ride their bikes to go hiking weekends both days go hiking even at a young age i get them out in the nature because for me those things are more uh, very important like i don't really feel i need to teach them to read or write right now they'll do that when they go to school but get them to be in, out there in the nature be active get you know get your hands dirty so that your mind and body is active right so those things are important for me and to unfortunately with the pandemic the other thing that's important for me is that you know forming those bonds right like uh, with family and others uh, like grandparents and so on they're not able to see anybody right now but when when the restrictions lift uh, that's another piece spending time with the other family members to build those lasting relationships because for me when I reflect back it's not what I learned in school at a young age that that uh, you know that that make up the sweet memories it's more like the time spent with the grandparents and so on and the you know the little things that they did for you whether it's making an eggplant curry you that's still in your mind right uh so so i just want them to have those same memories uh, as much as they can with their grandparents and so on the rest will come education and all these everybody will figure out their path and i don't need to push them for that i love it um what's an insecurity that you have Good question. Insecurity, um, I would say, you know, probably, I would say, like, it has changed, believe it or not. Uh, initially, it was around the language skills, because I came to Canada at a young age, so I learned in French. Then when I came to Toronto, age 13, I had to learn English from scratch. So when I was contemplating law school, the language skill and my accent is something that, that I, I felt insecure about. And I thought, you know what, I probably cannot go to law school because I, my skills are not enough. I can't speak as well. But, but you know, later I built that confidence that, no, it's okay. Uh, you know, I, I have what it takes and I'll 
you just have to learn and and grow right uh, and that's why even public speaking and you see me doing all these videos but these are things that i'm not comfortable doing and i'm doing it to you know overcome those barriers overcome those insecurities that uh, about public speaking Uh, so you know you seem to be natural at it, but this is no. not my forte. <laughs> I, I'm the same way as you. I'm. I would say I'm more gravitated towards being introverted, and I don't like doing public speaking. But like you, um, I want to be stronger, and I feel like for the things that I want to do, I need to be able to do those things at least adequately. Yeah. So yeah. I think the way to get better at things is just to push yourself outside your comfort zone. So uh, I've yeah. got better, like from when I did my first episode to like. Whatever I'm recording now, like it's light years better. So I know from just this exercise alone that just by doing something you're uncomfortable doing, you will get better if you actually want to get better. So exactly. Uh, so it's the same thing. Same thing for me, right? Yeah. Uh, so that's that's number one. Uh, number two would be you know just like everybody else trying to catch up, or whether it's where you want to be in your career or financially, and what you want to what goals do you want to achieve? Uh, achieve like there's a lot I missed out. I'm trying to catch up, but I. I try to stay grounded, so by reminding myself that I'm, you know, blessed with my family and so on. That by trying to play catch-up game, you're not going to be living on at the moment. So to slow down, on to kind of smell the roses as you as you go through, right? So try to live at the present moment as much as possible. So I try to have the discipline to do that, but it's not always easy, right? When you have a lot going on and you're a driven person uh, in, by nature, you just keep keep going and you keep taking on more than you should. Yep. No, I, I can definitely agree with that. Um, one topic I'd love to discuss with you just because I feel like it's not really talked about or it's like considered taboo even though I don't think it should be is the you know the conversation around money and investing. So yeah. how do you feel about money and like in terms of investing like what is just your general like investing philosophy is it like do you invest in like property uh, just the stock market cryptocurrency etc I just love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, so you know, I, I am a little bit. It depends. It changes in different stages. So you know, I, I used to do day trading when I was younger, and uh, have tried again recently. Uh, but it all depends on what you can afford to lose, right? I'm, I'm a little bit on the conservative side. Like I would only invest money that I can afford to lose. And uh, if you're in a position, like you know, when you're going through school and you can't really afford to make significant investments, I, I, I didn't try to do too much, but Recently, as things, uh, you know, I stopped being a student and I'm focusing only because before I was doing all these executive roles, but I was still having to pay hundred thousand, hundred fifty thousand dollar for school and life, right? So you don't you don't get much left to invest. But I did invest in on the real estate side, stock market, and now started in the crypto. But but for me, you know, th- those are secondary areas uh, because it, it, I'm not like money is important because if if you it measures you know a part of how successful you are but it's not everything but it also helps you get the things you want in life but for me it's more about what do you want to achieve in terms of your career and what contribution you want to make and uh, just getting the financial side of it I, I, I won't feel even if I make a lot it, it won't feel like I contributed something so you know I, I am an engineer at heart where you feel like you have to build a solution to help people to solve a problem and solving a problem is not the same as making money for yourself you, you understand so i i still i'm driven and i'm searching for what am i going to do to 
contribute. And I, through the law practice, I am contributing to kind of have every, every startup I'm helping, they're growing, but I still feel like there's more to what I can offer. So I'm looking for that. Got it. Okay. And, you know, like you said, you, you haven't been reading recently, but like, is there like a book that you've read before or like a podcast that you've listened to in like the last couple of years that's really made a, a significant impact on you? Uh, to be honest, like I, um, you know, I, 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 I did read a lot of books, obviously, but uh, and and watch different documentaries and podcasts, uh, listen to podcasts. Uh, but uh, what inspires me is, is a combination of multiple ones, right? Not a not one particular one. So it's just the different topics you listen to. Like if you're trying to learn on something, you just listen to everything possible and you reflect. But it's a combination of listening to that and talking to people to see what ideas can come out of it, right? Uh, but not, nothing in, in particular, I would say, but I used to read The Economist magazine a lot. So I would, you know, try to think about what are the big picture problems that are happening or issues that are happening and then try to look for solutions or what direction, what trends are going to be coming up and what direction you should be heading. Mm. Uh, so that's like a starting point. Start at the big picture and then drill your way down. Uh, so I started the economist level and then worked my way down to what different areas that I want to focus on. Okay. And what's like a new belief, behavior, habit that's like, you know, maybe recently improved your life? Probably, you know, like focusing at the moment, on the moment, as I told you, and focusing on what you have, like spending the time with children and not trying to work all the time, right? Like having that balanced life and uh, versus being driven on achieving your professional goals all the time and you know it's not that I think I I had the opportunity to sit back and think through it it just hits you right once you have kids and you can appreciate that you just you don't it, there's no other way that unless you know you want to focus and again these are decisions people make on an individual level right because everything will have a cost you will make sacrifices right so for me my family life comes first I'm willing to sacrifice make any sacrifice on the professional end but I cannot uh, lose out on my children growing up. So I, I spend the time with them that I need to, but I know that if I spend less time with them, I can have more for my career, but it's just the choices, the decisions you make, right? Well, yeah. Uh, like, well, like when I read, um, or like I read a lot of interviews on like entrepreneurs, especially the ones that did well, but like didn't have good personal lives. And the thing they yeah. always say was, yeah, I did well, but like, what's the point of building a castle if you have no one to share it with and it really resonated with me like when I first started like you know nine ten years ago obviously it's like still I'm always it's always something I'm working on but like to your point especially now that I got my dad um, especially like I as a someone that used to be a child I know that there's always stages where you want to be with your parents and at some point they don't want to hang out with you so I'm like you know there's only so many years that my kids will probably want to hang out with me and then they'll have their friends and all that. So during that stage, I want to be as available while still kind of maintaining my interests outside of like family life. But I fully agree with you. Hey, it's not like something yeah. I perfected. I still struggle at times with it. I know sometimes, you know, like, you know, if my kids are sick, that's like a higher priority than work. Sometimes, you know, if everything's going well at home, but there's something crazy at work, I might focus on that. But it's, there's no perfect, like, everything's always yeah. perfect. It's like a, a fine balance you're always treading. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and it's not always easy. You, you don't always accept that balance because sometimes it is frustrating, right? You're like, oh, I wish I, I wish I did what I'm doing now 10 years ago when, you know, I was alone and didn't 
I could focus. But you know, it it, it is life. You you deal with things as you yeah. as you as you go through, right? So yeah, no, I agree. But it's not it's not easy. It's not it's not always easy. It's easy to give the advice and preach, but it's not. Uh, it's, I I don't want to say that it's always easy. It, it is challenging, and especially you know raising kids on your own. Whereas compared to uh, when we grew up, it's like a whole whole village raising you right yeah, like so the yeah. whole extended family raising you was here we're kind of on our own having to do everything right mm-hmm. so it's got it's got the pros and cons with doing that right with that approach yeah and often like if you look at the variables for me it's like family life work and then what often gets negated is sometimes my sleep if you know i'm like you know i don't want to negate those two so sleep but i'm also like sleep is important because good sleep you know results in good health overall and you know it could cause issues later on but that's a discussion for later um i I also don't uh, neglect my sleep i sleep early i wake up early i i'm at the office at five o'clock to take the class so i I start my day early but i don't like i don't try to sleep less than five hours or something like i don't i can't function yeah yeah no like for me i don't sleep less than like i would say six and a half hours my goal is seven hours now but just because i've read up so much on like people like try to do all these things to be healthy, but the simplest thing you can do is like get more sleep if you want to really yeah. be healthy. Um, in terms of your personal legacy, in a few sentences, like how would you want to be remembered by your friends and family? Money can be hard to come by, but here's a $100 opportunity for you. Join my free newsletter for free exclusive content and a free chance to win $100 when I hold special draws. Did I mention that it's free? As someone who stayed driven and who focused on contributing in, in meaningful ways uh, in my own terms, right? Uh, like, you know, I don't have to, I don't feel like I have to follow somebody else's footsteps. I feel like I, I just want to do what makes sense to me and what makes me happy, but, you know, contribute in a meaningful way. And then and, and someone who stayed productive uh, throughout my life, you know, like uh, that, that, that's it, simple as that. Who's one person in the global Tamil community that you admire and why? And who's one person that isn't Tamil that you admire and why? Who's one person in the global Tamil community that I admire and why? Uh, I think uh, you know, right away, person that comes to my mind is uh, uh, Radisson, uh, one of the co-founders of Nibara, who was the CEO and was my boss as well. Uh, the reason why he comes to my mind right away is... Uh, uh, because he has achieved a lot in terms of building that empire and then exiting from it. And he's continuing to uh, contribute in, in the field of entrepreneurship, but also giving back. And what I like about him, it, it's, not, it's, not, um, it's not just the business side of it and what he has achieved, but it's his personality of being humble and appreciating what he has and focusing on his family, focusing on, on, on you know, staying grounded. And uh, I, I think it's easy when you, as you're growing and you have all the financial resources to kind of forget your roots and, you know, but in his case, he stays grounded and humble. And that's something that I respect. And uh, I try to kind of uh, keep that in my mind as I go through my own life to always stay humble and grounded and be grateful, respectful, uh, respecting, you know, everybody around you. And who's a non, somebody that's like non-Tamil you kind of admire? Uh, so again, you know, without thinking too much, my mentor, Steve Farlow, uh, who, who's like my main mentor. And uh, so he was the uh, founding director of the Schlegel Center for Entrepreneurship. So when I was doing my MBA, I met him there. And uh, he was, 
again, he was also a runner. He continues to run, uh, uh, so active, fit, and uh, he had his own business, sold it, and he started this entrepreneurship center. He's very involved in the Waterloo region with uh, as an angel investor now. So and you know, so the fact that he started his own business and then gives back to the com- community, he's active, he's focused, grounded. Uh, focused on his family and uh, con- contributing to the field of entrepreneurship and teaching. I kind of want to be like him when I grow up. <laughs> you, know <what> I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, uh, he, he, I try to like model after everything he's done in terms of my next steps, you know, wanting to teach, wanting to be an angel investor, wanting to do the kind of thing, being a good father. And he's now a grandfather, you know, kind of being at that Okay, and, and, and not not splashing. Sorry, like you know, again, he's also similar to Radisson, where he doesn't splash the money, even though he's got the resources. He's careful about how he spends it. Mm. You know, uh, he doesn't try to show up. He just lives his normal life, a healthy life, and uh, uh, gives a lot of money for things that are needed to make society better. But doesn't really spend a lot on himself. He, you know, he stays humble, and that's what I believe in, in as well. I don't think I need to. Uh, show anybody what I have or what I'm trying to do. I just have to live the same way, whether uh, I have the financial resources I have today or what I will have in 10 years, but live the same way. And what's a piece of advice that you would give to your fellow aspiring Tamil creators out there? Focus on what you want to do and, uh, you know, carve out your own path. You don't need to necessarily feel the pressure to do what others are doing. Uh, because nowadays that can be a challenge because, you know, social media and everything, we, we can easily fall into comparing what others are doing and feeling that we need to do the same or we need that they have it better than us and why my, I don't have the skills that they have or I need to be doing better. But just be yourself and realize that, you know, carve out your own path and be happy with what you're doing. But stay productive at the same time. Don't waste time. Like I'm, I'm a firm believer in I'm OK with any path you take, but you know, work hard, like be productive. Love it. And that's a great way to kind of segue into, um, you know, a fun part of our discussion, which is a game that I call Creator Confessions. So essentially, I'm going to say like a bunch of things and you're going to just, you know, say the first answer that kind of comes to mind. Okay. I've been already doing that, I thought. (laughs) Well, this is is a bit more fun. So let's start start with the first one. So favorite Tamil food? Uh, Favorite Tamil food... uh, I would say probably, you know, my, uh, what is it, hopper? Okay. Something that scares you? Snakes. (laughs) Me too. Uh, Favorite show that you're watching? I guess you don't watch TV, but. I I don't. I I watch, yeah, I don't watch any TV kids shows, if anything, right now. What kids show do you watch? I can even that not too much. Curious George, but once in a while only. We don't have a TV, so once in a while I will show on the laptop. A place you're itching to travel to after the pandemic is over? Um, Newfoundland, again. Fellow Tamil creator you want to give a shout out to? I'll have, there's a lot of them. So uh, probably Janet from Shot One Studio. Sorry, say that again? Janet from Shot One Studio. Okay, got it. Uh, favorite childhood memory? Uh, everything to do with my grandparents and the, you know, the meal, simple meals and playing games and eating mangoes. Uh, until and then you know playing with very little like toys but you know things you can find uh, just time pet, with your grandparents pet peeve uh, just uh, anything being messy things have to be in order for me organized 
uh, a person or celebrity that you look up to? Person or celebrity? Uh, I'm not really into the celebrity side of things, but uh, person would be my grandmother again. Um, if you knew you were going to die to tomorrow, I regret that you would have. If I knew I was going to die tomorrow, I regret that I would have. To be honest, uh, I can't think of anything. That's because I, without sounding cliche, I try to always live by doing things like, you know, at the moment in terms of what I want to do. That's good. That's a good way to live. Um, yeah. I know you say you don't like celebrities, but I'm going to ask you this anyways. A celebrity whose life you'd want to experience for one day. Okay. Mm, for one day. Elon Musk. You're like the ninth person that said him. My goodness. <laughs> that guy's a marketing genius. Everyone wants to be him. Uh, yeah. And finally, a PSA that you want to leave our audience with. Mm, I can't think of one. Okay. I was hoping for a strong message at the end, Suresh. But, uh, you know, it's okay. You give some really good answers and uh, we had some really good discussion on the other topics. So that kind of concludes the podcast, Suresh. You know, you were awesome to talk to. You obviously have a very inspirational story. You know, there's obviously some other challenges that you went through before you kind of became a lawyer that, you know, people can kind of touch on. But, you know, it was great kind of chatting with you and kind of um, sharing your journey and story with, uh, you know, people listening. And if people get inspired and want to connect with you or just, uh, you know, reach out to you, what's the best way for them to kind of um, get connected to you? Well, I'm on pretty much every social media now and uh, on my website as well, uh, Suresh.law. So they, they can pretty much get in touch with me in any through any of the platforms. Awesome. Well, thank you again, Suresh, for hopping on for everyone listening. Thank you for listening and uh, look forward to the next episode. Thank you once again for having me on. That it was a great conversation. I hope everybody who's listening enjoyed it as well. Uh, and thank you once again. And I wish you all the best in whatever uh, adventures you're working on. And uh, once again, remember to, to enjoy the current moment and uh, uh, be good to yourself in terms of the appreciating what you have in life and what you have achieved, giving especially the current circumstances, right? Like with the pandemic, I, I, I talk with uh, uh, my coworkers all the time by saying that, you know, we have to be grateful that we're alive today, given what the times that we're living through. And, and that's true on the personal side, but also on the business side, right? A lot of businesses are struggling, but just the, just the fact that they can still hold on to it will, is, is good because things will only get better after this, right? Uh, so just be grateful for what you have and uh, we'll get through all this soon. Remember when I asked you about a PSA you want to leave the audience with? You just <laughs> delivered a great PSA. So anyways, guys, he delivered the PSA at the end. That's great. It's a great way to end off. Thank you again, guys. <laughs> Thank you.